Hello, and welcome to Clamp, the Creating, Living, and Making podcast. I'm your host, Morley Kurt, and joining me as always is Adam Mackey. G'day. And Grant's wife may be birthing a baby at the moment, so he is unable <laughs> to join us this week. I'm not sure if that's confirmed or not. I'm not going to about to text him to find out because I feel like that's his his space. But we have a special guest host that's taking his place this week, uh, Ben Neiman from Make for Life Workshop. What's up, Ben? Hey, boys. How's it going tonight? It I don't is know going well. Why you had to say it like that? I can assure you that my wife is not probably having a baby. <laughs> what about you, Adam? Is yours? Uh, if she is, she's not coming home. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we dive into the episode, um, for the people, Ben, who might not know who you are, do you want to just give a quick introduction? Yeah, for sure. So I'm a, uh, I'm a, a multifaceted maker. Uh, primarily, I dabble in woodworking. Uh, I do a lot of resin work. Um, I live in the Raleigh, North Carolina area in the United States. Um, part-time maker at the moment. Uh, I work for a, a global IT company full-time as an operations manager. And on the, my nights and weekends, I try to occupy it with as much crafting and making as I can get away with. And um, I don't know. I mean, you know, wife, two beautiful kids, great dog. You know, she's she's beautiful and Man, I'm, I'm, I got, I've got a good life. Good things going on over here. So if you see what you think is a ghost in the background during the episode, uh, it's not. It's your, it's your beautiful dog. <laughs> it's, my, it's my dog passing through the, the threshold into the room where I am. <laughs> nice. Passing to well, the other side. We'll get a lot into the making later on the episode. But before we do that, um, Adam, what has been in your clamps this week? Uh, absolutely nothing. No. Um I haven't really done much. I've done a bit of digital design, trying to work out what I want to do some tutorials on and stuff. So, I mean, if anyone hasn't realized by now that I've pretty much transformed into a tutorial channel for CNC and Fusion, which is something I'm happy with because I like making the videos and I get a lot of good feedback from it. Um, I will still do normal videos as well though. But yeah, just trying to find things that I think are interesting to, to make tutorials for. So I've been working on a... Um, a 3d box. So the whole, nice. the lid and lid and the actual inside and everything's all cut in one go with the CNC. So it's, it's like cool. you're, you're cutting it from like a solid block of wood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so cool. cut, cut the outside and then cut the bowl inside and then cut the, the, so the top will be cut upside down with the rim to fit inside the top. Nice. That That's sense. really cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, I like those a couple of times. That's a cool little project. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I like those. Fair. I like those CNC projects where it's like, it's things that you can't. I know you can make it other ways, and I know people are going to tell me, but I like it. Those things that you can't really do another way other than a CNC. Like I think, yeah. uh, Jimmy Deresto was posting to his stories this week, like this uh, this table he was making, and the drawer fronts were all like waterfalled into the front of the piece, and it looked really really cool. And I'm assuming he did it with a CNC. Yeah. Of course, I'm sure you could do it with a router as well, but like. In that way, it's it's a really cool project. Yeah, I, I like that I love, too. I, I love like finding those projects for the CNC that like they look like they weren't made on a CNC, but you can yeah. kind of like you can batch out you know ten of them at a time. Like those little boxes are, are one of those things that I don't. I think if you do it right, a lot of people won't even notice that they were machine cut. 
Yeah, for you sure. Can, you can get away with <laughs> making it look a lot yeah. better than than by CNC. Yeah, and the, to be honest, they're pretty simple projects. Like the, the actual fusion took me about I don't know four minutes to actually create the project. So, which I think we better because at the moment my tutorials have been like fifteen minutes of fusion, which mm-hmm. I just feels a little bit too long. But and then for the top, I actually want to do like a three D like something's coming out of it. Um, What's that Ooh. frozen, that like frozen person from Star Wars? Is it Star Wars? Oh, like Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the, yeah. So like something like that, like on the top of the box. So nice. showing that how to do that as well, which would be cool. That's a really cool that project. Very cool. Yeah. Other than that, not really much. What about cool. you, Molly? Well, I've been kind of in a similar headspace because um, I've been, like last week, I've been designing this uh, 3D printed razor knife, which if you hear me fidgeting with it throughout the episode, I'm sorry, I'm going to try not to. But really my process this last week has been like, I, I mean, I got it prototyped to a point where like it's functional and now I'm refining the design. So each night I'll make edits to the model and then print it either that night or that morning and then carry it around with me throughout the day so I can figure out what other changes I want to make. That's smart. And um I'm also kind of at the point where it's like, like it's cool because it's fully 3d printed, which I think is like interesting, but I think there's more I can add that take advantage of like 3d printing as a medium. Like I'm thinking about maybe adding some, um, kind of like 3d integrated scales on the side, like just some sort of texture, um, that would look better than just the striations of 3d print lines will you paint that later like will you try to paint those scales to like give it a faux like wood look or something no because my my kind of goal with these is to kind of sell them as fully 3d printed uh razor knives so i kind of want it to be just like a monolithic object so like print take support material off and like and that's it and it's just like this this single color thing it has this really like clean look which i like um almost kind of reminds me of like a credit card in a way, although mm-hmm. it's not quite that thin. Um, but yeah, it's been really cool. And it's, it's really exciting that like each one is, is getting there. And I've also never printed an object in one piece before. So it has a joint in it and that is all that joint is printed in place. Um, and figuring out those tolerances so that like everything comes together uh, was a bit tricky because even if you, make you what you think are the, to- the correct tolerances, the filament kind of wants to melt together when it's right next to one another. Right, so, um, right. How many iterations in are you on this? Um, I, I've been numbering them. So I think I just did the ninth iteration. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really see an end in sight. Like, I don't really think this <laughs> is going to be, I want to get it done, you know, in a timely fashion, but this is definitely like a longer term thing. Cause I want it to be like, some solid, solid product development, not just like a fun YouTube video. I want some more like, uh, longevity to it. Yeah. Um, so it's cool. I'm excited. And, but a little shorter term, um, I made a leather notebook for Austin about a week and a half ago. Cause I wanted to make him a thank you gift for hosting high caliber camp and I, if you guys are talking in the chat, I honestly can't see what it is because my computer is so far away. No, I was just trying to stop. I was just trying to stop myself from going about a week ago. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I wanted to make Austin a thank you gift for putting on High Caliber Camp. So I made him like a leather bound notebook with some kangaroo leather as the cover. And oh, are you serious? It, Why are you using animals? Serious. Because I'm trying to conquer Australia. Yeah. You you know where you, you know where you eat them, right? I do. They're like a pest, okay. aren't they? In some places, yeah. Actually, right. my wife my wife almost hit one last night. Oh dang! I kind mm. of feel like they're our deer. That's what it seems like. I was just yeah, about to say the same them. thing. That makes it sound like it's a deer, like here in the yeah. states. Probably. Can you um, hunt them like, year round? Uh, I don't think so. Like, I think technically you could. Yeah. But I think it's illegal. Oh, I'm not sure because I, I know I know that I have seen a couple of posts on Facebook. Can. Yeah, well, happen you are. <laughs> yeah, but I'm pretty sure I've seen on Facebook um, like posts from the police of like finding kangaroos with arrows in them, and them trying to find out who did it. So from that, I'm assuming it's illegal, but I don't really know. The news in Australia just hits different. <laughs> so, anyways, I. That arrived at Austin's today, which I was really excited about. So I, I filmed the process and made just like a quick one minute supercut of making the notebook. So I got to put that out today. So I won't be Very totally cool. dark from social media as tends to happen when I'm working on like a bigger project. Oh, the other thing that happened, I bought that leather sewing machine that Grant and I were talking Ooh, about. I saw that. Cranked chinese cobbler sewing machine yeah and uh, i got it all set up yesterday and it's sick it's so cool so, uh, so with that is that gonna stop you from wanting to do like hand stitching no i see it as a different use case like i yeah, i yeah. see this more as like longer stitch lines yeah um so if you're making like I, a book cover you wouldn't use it to do the seam around the outside yeah maybe for a big enough book like if it's for like a full-size notebook though that takes a while so i think it'll just depend does it open up like projects for you like is there stuff that you've been kind of sitting on you're like man i wish i could do that but now that i have this you know new tool i can do it now a hundred percent the uh wax canvas and leather backpack that i want to make now i feel like i can start actually doing that and jacob griffin was quick to point out because i think he's made a a backpack that he hand sewed. Yeah. He's like, you could have hand sewn it, but that's going to make it easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's fun. And I'm going to get it all tuned up and start playing around a little more, but like, it was more like 130 bucks. Like, how can I not buy this thing? Like, yeah, wow. that's, that's cheaper than a normal sewing machine. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, so it's, I mean, the it story with these things is it's, I, I'm pretty sure the story is they are kind of, a knockoff of a like old vintage design and they're kind of batched out in some factories in Asia and people use them or street merchants use them on Asia as like shoe cobblers. So they'll set up stands and like fix shoes That's and do cool. other like clothing and equipment repair. So they're a little I mean, rough. Like they're not, they're not look like a knockoff though, from what I saw. Yeah, it's like I was I was pleased with the quality. I, I watched a bunch of videos where people talked about like, oh, you might have to sand off some burrs. The casting is a little rough. Um, yeah. And it was covered in grease, which I still have to degrease. But um, They're wrong. it's, uh, yeah, super happy with it. And it's going to be a lot of fun to play around with. Yeah, that's very cool. cool. And uh, Mr. Neiman, what have, what have you been up to as of late? Yeah, man, I'm, I've got a couple of really – 
really exciting projects on my bench right now that I'm actually kind of looking forward to getting into. Um, I have, let me, <laughs> I have to, I have to rethink my list every time I talk through it. I'm building a bookshelf that will be the shape of a coffin. That would have been a really cool project <laughs> to have started on a month ago. You know, I can have yeah. like a Halloween, you know, like themed video coming out or something. Um, but the the person who ordered it didn't get in touch with me until just a few days before Halloween. Um, I have uh, another uh, resin pour that I'll be doing here pretty soon. It's a smaller one, so it's like a serving board uh, shaped thing. Um, I've been talking with somebody about going in and doing some uh, built in like cabinets and maybe like a floating bar uh, for like a local office here where I live. Um, I mean, honestly, like I, I'm, I'm in a place where I sat on a couple of projects. I had, I had a big built in book bookshelf uh, that I put in uh, over this past weekend. And then before that I had a, a really big, like seven foot uh, river table. It was the biggest one that I've poured so far. And it was, man, both of those projects were, were loaded with problems um, and then the pandemic on top of it really, really slowed both of those down. And so they've been sitting in my shop for a long, long time. And it's, you know, you're talking like big, huge slabs of wood and lots of big, tall lumber and all this stuff. It's just been in the way of everything. And so getting those out of my shop has not only freed space, but it's also kind of like moved a couple of like mental blocks out of the way so that now I can kind of pivot and start doing more of the stuff that I just want to do. Like I've really... I sort of evaluated the business here recently and, and decided that I don't want to be doing custom work forever. Mm. Like, or, or, and that's not the right way to say it. I, I don't want to be doing every custom job that comes my way forever yeah. just to, just to get the income for it. Um, I like being able to pick and choose. And I'm in a place now where when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, can you build me a bookshelf that looks like a coffin? I'm like, yes, <laughs> because I've never done that before. And that sounds awesome. And it was like, if, if you say an idea to me and immediately my brain just lights up and I, I can think of a thousand ways to do it in a, in an instant, that's a project that I want. And so I'm, I'm comfortable enough now that I can, I can take those jobs. And so I'm, I'm gathering all the supplies to, to start working on those now. I've heard that coffins are very hard to make. <laughs> well, look, okay. So Justin Offler from Bear Make It did one. And if he can do it, you know, <laughs> that guy, hot, hot take. <laughs> That's getting, yeah. Don't, I'm not going to tell him that I said that and just, we're, we're going to find out if he listens to your podcast or not. He does. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick though. And it's, yeah. um, that's something I found difficult is finding the passion in doing commission work. And like, I've done a bit of it. And there were some jobs where I was like, this is awesome. This is perfect. Like that book yeah. cover I made for the bullet journal for Martin in, uh, was he in Switzerland or Germany? But he was like the best person to work with who I've ever worked with. He was like an incredibly nice, really good designer, had a really cool vision, was open to different ideas and it was awesome. But there were, and then there were times where I was like, I don't really love this. And that's like... <laughs> Honestly, I feel like for like 80% of commission work, it's really hard for me to get up the motivation to like do it in a way of a project that comes of my own, um, comes out of my own brain. Right. And it's definitely made me like want to do less commissions. <laughs> yeah. Well, so for me, 
during the pandemic, like at the, at the very early stage of the pandemic, I had to switch my full-time career. Um, I was, I was one of the first jobs that went away because I worked in project management and the company that I worked for had a lot of, uh, government, uh, accounts. And so when the pandemic hit and there was all this uncertainty and everything, all of the government guys decided to stop all of their projects. And for a project manager, that meant that all the funding dried up. Right. So my job went away and I switched and, and, you know, I had, I had a very narrow margin of like the door opened up for me to go full time and I didn't take it because I was just, you know, it's just, it's just fear, right? Like I'm, I'm the, the sole income provider for my family and I didn't want to like just fail and us, you know, end up like on the streets or something like that. But, um, you know, after, after having gone through a year and a half of just like grueling career, just getting in the way of the shop to finally be back at a place where it's like, okay, I can finally start thinking about doing YouTube videos. I can finally start thinking about pushing the business. I can finally start turning jobs down because I don't need, you know, the money from one job because I can, I can ask for another job or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's really like a freeing mindset to be in, to just like, you know, to, to the, to the point of the topic, like to be able to chase your passion rather than just to chase a dollar, man, that's, it's so freeing. Like it's, it's yeah. incredible. I'd love to get to that point. I I've done a couple of commissions and I hated it. I don't think I'll ever get into <laughs> commissions again. It's like, so for our business, we want to just focus on making products that we want to sell. Right. I mean, in saying that we'll take commissions because I want to do like custom cutting boards and stuff, Yeah, but, but it's specific. It's like, it's not like come at me with an idea. It's no, what do you want on your cutting board? Yeah. You know, so but well, so I actually did, I, I went through the same it, from, from what it sounds like you just said, like about having products and everything. So like I, I've, <laughs> I recently started to look at my shop in like the, the, you guys know the hero's journey. It's like every yeah. good action film, Kung Fu movie or whatever is built around the hero's journey, right? You introduce yeah. to the hero, the hero fails, the hero trains, the hero wins, right? So that's that I feel like I'm somewhere on that journey still. And I'm just on the other side of like having failed. And, and yeah. I, and I don't think that I have ultimately failed, you know, for sure, but I, I feel like I'm just kind of coming out of that, that period of like a low, a low point in that, in that circle. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I want, I want there to be income. And so of course I want for there to be products that I can make and I don't mm. want to just, I don't want to just make a thousand, you know, I don't know. I don't know, just whatever, name any product, right. That you can just easily batch out. I don't want that to be my business. If I do that, I want that to just be for the, for the side income, but I really want to be making what I want to make because it, it, if you're enjoying what you're doing, if you're really into it, I think it really shows in your work. I I, I take much more pride in, in a job that I may not even make a whole lot of profit on because I loved doing it versus you know, hey, I made a bunch of profit on, you know, cutting boards or charcuterie boards or bottle openers or pens or whatever. And I just stood there mindlessly, you know, with my hand working a tool. Like, I, I, I don't know, like for, for me personally, that's it's it. I would much, much rather feel fulfilled than, you know, yeah, extra, or, you know, hundred dollars a month or something. Yeah. Well, I think though with us, like the, the business side with the cutting boards and that, that's all CNC, like everything's CNC and then I can do what I want while the CNC is running. So theoretically the business is running in the background, making its own product products. 
<laughs> and then I can and then I can build like whatever I want to sort of get that. Um, yeah, and, uh, and you know, on, on and on the makers on Zoom Discord, you guys have heard me describe it this way. For me, the CNC was my first employee, right? Yeah. Like that was I was able to outsource work to the CNC so that I can keep an in, a stream of income going so that I can then turn my attention to something else and be making what I want to be able to make. And now, yeah, sure. now my employee has already paid for himself and I don't have to keep putting money into that except, you know, bits and just maintenance and things like that. But hmm. now I'm really able to just free up that part of my mind that just wants to make a cool thing. Yeah. And like it kind of dovetails back into what you're talking about with like cleaning up your shop. When you have that one less thing to worry about and to take up your time, whether it be like, you know, having to do that work by hand that your CNC does now or work around all the clutter in your shop, then you do have more mental and physical space to like pursue their passion, your passions. And like, I'm going through that kind of right now in that, you know, I'm finding it kind of difficult to spend as much time as I would like working on my own projects and making videos, which like pretty much is my passion. Like I love making videos and I love the physical making. I'm not going to put one over the other, but together it's like, I, I love doing it. And, um, my job is great, like working for the steam project, but it's just, you know, it takes a lot out of me. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. Um, like it takes a lot of care, which is good, but you know, like that is like slightly draining. You got to rest afterwards. So I'm probably going to be, let's say taking a leave come like the end of this year and going back to focusing a little more full time on my own stuff. And, probably getting some sort of like bartending job or something in the background. So I can like work hard, you know, for less amount of hours per week, cut down on the commute and then just be kind of like full on in to the the things I want to be making. And I can just put that extra, like, I don't know, extra 20, 30, 40 hours a week into it, which it would be like incredible. Um, And and I'll tell you, like, I, I, I think that the best way to like, if, if anybody's listening to this and they're they're trying to find out, like, am I really passionate about what I'm doing? Am I really passionate? Even if it's a side hustle, like, is this a passion of mine? What is it that's going to get you off the couch at the end of a long day? It's like, I'm a career man. I'm a family man, right? So, like, I come, I, I, don't, I don't come home from work. Like, I work from home. But still, like, to be engaged for eight straight hours, nine straight hours, it's exhausting. Like, mentally, you feel it like physically, I, I'm sorry, I'll put it this way. If you, if you've been mentally engaged for nine hours, you feel it physically and it just, mm-hmm. it makes you tired. Then I go, then I get, you know, I get away from work and now it's time with the kids. It's time with the wife, it's dinner, it's playing board games. It's, it's watching TV and like just spending quality family time. Well, then I'm the night owl of the family, right? So like everybody else goes to bed. I could lay on the couch and just watch TV all night long or I could, you know, get my fat tail off of the couch and go and make a thing. And and I feel like I'm one of those guys who's like, I've collected a lot of hobbies over time. Making is that hobby for me that will get me off of the couch at the end of that kind of day. And so that's how I know for certain, like I am, I'm absolutely passionate about doing this stuff because it's, it's, it means more to me than like time on the Xbox or, you know, time watching another mindless show or YouTube video or whatever. Like I want to, I want to get out and start making. Um, Yeah. You guys have been really inspiring to me. Like you guys and like all like content creators and everything. I really want to start making more YouTube content. And I, I've really started to gear myself up for this season in life where now things have kind of settled down. I've got, you know, 
I, I've got about three videos kind of in the works already that I'm just going to kind of like, as I'm, as I'm able, I'm going to start putting some stuff out there again and finally make, yeah. make good on all these promises I've been making for two years about, <laughs> you know, putting some content out there. Well, like that content creation for me is the thing that like I can do after a long day and it feels like cheating because like I enjoy doing it, you know, because mm. you're like, you're like, this is kind of work, but like I'm having fun. Like I can, there are a few other things in life that get me into a flow state than editing videos. Like mm-hmm. four or five hours will kind of just melt away. Like an afternoon yeah. is just gone because I'm like, I'm really into this video. And it's not just editing the video. It's the whole process of like maybe like editing and then going and working on something else and, and just being in this nice kind of flow between like two, three projects in various states. And like, I love doing that. And I, it's, it's worth following that if you have the opportunity to, which I'm very grateful that I do in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, passion. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I do think that like, you know, cause I was talking earlier this year about like, you know, teaching as this thing where that I felt could be a great career for me. And I still do think that it could be, but I just don't like identify it with it in the same way as all the other things I pursue. Like it's never been a real, and I've talked about, I've been talking about this a lot with Eden. Like it's not like a core part of my identity or anything that I really like dreamt of doing. Like, I'm sure it would be a great fulfilling career and it would provide me with like a pretty good work-life balance. But like, I always think I'm like, well, like two years down the road when I'm spending like 50 hours a week, like, you know, (laughs) working temporary teaching jobs and trying to like work my way up this hierarchy of an institution. Then it's the other question of like, do I want to institutionalize myself? Um, I'm just feel like I would be regretting not really like going after this thing that I'd feel so much stronger about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely, I, I, I certainly think that if you, if you love an idea or if you love a thing or a discipline enough, it really doesn't take much to kind of tip the scale towards you running after it. I mean, like it, it really just, it takes a, the smallest bit of momentum to, to just start running. Right. And yeah. so I, I think that when, when you're chasing things that you feel like you should do, like, and, and this could be, this could be a lot of things, right? I mean, like I, I, you, if you live around certain people, you might think that the thing to do is what those people around you are doing. Right. And, and call that whatever career world, you know, going, going after a certain type of college degree. I mean, like put what, fill in the blank with whatever, but I really I, I've come to that point in my life where I really understand that a lot of money is not the the right answer. Like the job that I was working through the pandemic in sales, I was making better money than I've ever made in my entire life by a by a landslide. But it, I hated it. I just I hated. It. I absolutely hated it. And every time that I was out, you know, feeling sorry for myself for having to do some job that I didn't love, where was my mind? It was in the shop. It was on projects. It was doing these things. Now, fortunately, in, in my career now, I, I, I really actually love my job. Like, I really love what I do. And so there's no, like, huge motivational reason for me to seek leaving that, you know, because it provides a lot of stability for my family. And they, over all my passions, my family will always come first. Mm-hmm. But at, in my free time, when my mind has, has the opportunity to wander, it's in the shop. It's on projects. It's how, how do I, how do I make that coffin 
bookcase work, right? Because I, you know, to your point, Mackie, I, I I know bookcases that are shaped like coffins can be difficult, but <laughs> there are ways to do it because people have done it. And so, like, I I find myself on my lunch breaks diagramming in my head <laughs> how this is going to work out, and that that pays off for me, you know, when I actually get my hands to the work and and can make a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I've talked about it many times before, but one of the good things about my job is I have a lot of time where I can do stuff on the computer. So all of that designing stuff, I have plenty of time for. It's the actual making is where I I lose time because like we have really busy lives. It's really hard to get away from the kids and stuff. And even, and I, and to be honest, I've lost a lot of motivation. Like even this weekend, I was saying in the pre-show that my wife and kids have gone away for four days and I did not plan on making anything. I plan on sitting on my butt and just playing on my laptop and playing games for the next four days. Like, well, I've got to go to work as well, but yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. Well, and like, I mean, you know, I'm, I've got kids who are eight and 11 and they're at that age where their interests are finally starting to kind of surface, you know, so they're not just, they're not just doing the things that I tell them to do. They're, they're really seeing their personalities kind of come to life. And they don't, they don't know it yet, but they're making the decisions that will go with them through the rest of their lives. Now, yeah. you know, whether my daughter will be an astronaut or not is, is yet to be seen, right? Cause she's, she's eight, but at the same time, like I'm in a, I'm in a cool position as a parent who, who can say these things about my own passions and about chasing my own dreams to give them a little bit more of a head start than maybe I had. Right. Cause I feel like in my childhood, we were told you can be anything you want to be, but that was just an, an idiom, right? Like you just said it because that was what kids needed to hear. We're really trying to teach our kids that like, it's going to be work, but you can do anything you want to be. Now here's, here's what that path looks like. So my, my son, for instance, he on his own, without us having to give him any input, you give that kid a, a pencil and a piece of paper and he will do comics, write stories and, you know, for an 11 year old, it's great. You know, he's not, he's not, you know, he's not writing for Marvel or anything like that yet, but he, he has real talent and I'm really trying to help foster that. And if he loves it, that's all the more reason for me to keep pushing him. Anyway, so we, tonight we went and saw the, the, the Eternals, right? The newest Marvel movie. And on the truck ride home, he and I are, are not just talking about like, oh, that was great. Special effects, blah, blah, blah. He and I are like talking through storyline and character development and all of the bits and pieces that go into making a good movie yeah. because that's what he wants to do. And, and I'm really mm-hmm. trying to reinforce him. If that's a craft that you want to chase, chase it. But <laughs> you don't just stumble over in and fall into a great career doing it. Like you need to do the work. You need to put in the time and the effort and hone that skill and the, and the, the passion part of it will push you through all of that work. Yeah. You know, he would love um, Australian English in school. And because that's all you do is talk about movies and how they're structured and stuff. Oh, interesting. That's yeah, really cool. So, but it's a stupid pro uh, stupid. What am I trying to think of? I don't know. The, the classes. I like how you said the word "stupid" and then went completely blank. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but like it's like it, um, English, but like it's not because it's all about like poems and movies and and all that stuff. And it is like a mandatory class that you must take every time, like for your entire school career. Hmm. But it's it's weird. 
And I, and I think yeah. that there's, I mean, I, listen, I'm not one to like poo poo on the American education system or whatever. That's, that's a different conversation. But I do think that if, if you're, if, if as a parent, you are relying on any education system to fulfill your kid's path, you're not, you're not going to see them really fulfilled in their, in their adult lives. Right. Like right. I think they need to hear that kind of stuff. I think they need to break down, you know, what makes a thing work. I like, think, you know, from I, when I was a kid, I, I wanted to tear electronics apart and rebuild them back together. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and to this day, I still love doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if, so if my son, if his passion is to draw comic books, I hope that I can give him as many good pieces of paper and pencils as, as I can afford <laughs> and let yeah. him continue doing it. But at the same yeah. time, like, making sure that the education that he's getting in his school system is also being coupled with, you know, the stuff that they don't teach. I, I, I mean, it's, it's too broad of a category to like detail all the things, but there's more to it than what the teachers are going to put into him in a sure. one hour yeah. session. Yeah. Well, and just think I, I about like, think about all the jobs that you learn about outside of school that you never knew existed from what you learned in school. Like I remember just, even yep. in like university, like when we had like, you know, talking to friends, parents and be like, Oh, what do you do? And they're like, Oh, well, let, let me try to explain my job to this school age student who, <laughs> you know, has a very limited view of what jobs are actually out there. Like, yeah, I feel like even now, like I'm like, you know, learning about like what a specific profession that I know, like very peripherally about like what they actually do. Like you're, you're exposed to so little in school and, and especially when it comes to like the skills and yeah you know, on yeah, the path sure. that it might take to get to all those different points. So I love to tell my kids about school being like a funnel, right? And, I, and I'll, I'll close the loop and bring this back to making here in a second. But I tell them like where you are now, you know, elementary, middle school, you can throw anything into that funnel that you want, right? But as you kind of work your way through the school system into middle school, into high school, into college, into grad school, if that be the thing, a lot less stuff makes it down the funnel of what you're going to be able to learn but it gets more concentrated. Right. And so, you know, if my son is in middle school now, he's got everything in front of him, robotics, knitting, home economics, PE, you know, baseball, like writing, what, like he, he could choose any, any type of field and study it and they will teach it to him for free. But then as he goes into high school, it's going to narrow down a little bit. And as he gets into college, he's got to pick a major and it's going to narrow down a little bit. And if he ever does like you know, whether it's career or post-grad or whatever, it narrows down all the more. I, I was telling him that one time as a, as a, probably two or three years ago. And it really clicked to me that like the, the journey that I have gone in or gone on as a business did very much the same thing. When, when I first started doing my business, when I when make for life before make for life was even like a brand, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to do all the products, all the cutting boards, all the custom commissions, all the things. And I hated every second of it (laughs) because, because what I really needed to do was kind of take those things and start to figure out what did and didn't fit into what I was really passionate about. Yeah. So that now, you know, now that I'm further down that funnel, I've been able to tell people like, no, I don't want to do that job because that's not what I am, that's not what I want to do. That, that doesn't fit with where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I, I've always, I've always admired like the American school system, not in like more in the fact of like, you have like sports and stuff of like, you can go to college for football and all that sort of stuff. 
no school here that I know of, you can actually just like study a sport or study. Like, do you know what I mean? Like you can't, there's none of that, like baseball teams in high school and all that sort of stuff. And, Hmm. and all that, which we have like PE, but that's it. It's just a class. You you do whatever their schedule is for the day. And then that's it. You move on to the next thing. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Someone will probably correct me and say, well, at my school, we did this, but at my <laughs> school, that wasn't a thing. Wow. Um, so I find that really interesting. I, I mean, even with like, we have university, not college, but like I, growing up, I always wish I was American and could like go to college for band. Like drumline to me was like my life, like what I wanted my life to be. <laughs> it, it makes a very cool image of drumming that movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool. But just, just the fact that you can do that, though, you can go to college for band. Like, what the hell? Like, that's insane. Yeah. Well, thing, but, you know, like, but the thing is, like, now as an adult, like, you're not restricted to whatever your high school did or didn't teach you. You've, yeah. got, you've got YouTube out there. Now now your algorithm is going to narrow that funnel for you. You know, they're, they're going to do the work. If you, if you search how to do a couple of things, hmm. you get a free education, and the algorithm will start to feed you more of that same stuff. So, like, you can really... I mean, I don't know. Pick pick a thing. I bet if you gave it six months, you could you can learn to do anything. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But I, I mean, more of the sense of you can make a career from it. Like you could go to college for band and then become like a professional band player for a professional NFL team or whatever. Like things mm-hmm. like that. I think is pretty cool. Um, as far yeah. as I know, that's not a thing here. Like even cheerleading, cheerleading. I think is normal for like our football. But I don't think it's like a something you go to school for. You yeah. just apply to be a cheerleader and then get taught or whatever. Like I again, I'm not a cheerleader, so I don't know how it actually works. But as far as I'm concerned, you don't go to university to be a cheerleader. You'd make a great cheerleader, Adam. Thank you. It's it's interesting <laughs> looking at like to bring it back to the funnel a little bit. Like how I feel like I'm at this point in like my mid twenties now, where I'm like looking at my teen years and my university years and you kind of like see how that all shaped you and kind of where Mm -hmm. the story is heading. And like, I went to school and at the time of graduating high school, like pole vaulting in university was something that was important to me. And so like I had the opportunity to do that at McGill and that was part of the reason that I chose that school, which was not a mistake by any means. Like I, I super happy I went there and was really, it was, it was a good experience doing it. But by the time my third year of school rolled around, I just started to realize that like this thing that had been so important to me just like wasn't in the same way anymore. And my favorite parts of track practices were just sitting around stretching and hanging out with all my friends because I had developed like an amazing group of friends on this team, but it wasn't really worth the like 10 hours at least 10 hours of training and commitments and track meets every week. I mean, when, if you include the track meets, you're talking like a whole other day on top of that 10 hours. And I was like, I need to, I need to quit. Like this is, this is the end of the road for this right now because like, I want to be, I was when I started getting into like woodworking and, um, and making stuff in my apartment and shout out to my roommates for tolerating me doing that at the time. <laughs> um, but it wasn't like, you know, someone told me at one point, like, there's no such, it's not that there's no such things, but a good way of looking at things that happen to you is that it's not bad experiences. There's all experiences are valuable. Mm -hmm. And it was a very valuable experience in that it gave me like an incredible 
um, structure and reason to say fit at the beginning of university and a great group of friends like right off the bat and still like my closest friends from school to this day. Like we would have potlucks together. We spend, you know, it's like, you know, you go through boot camp with a group of people and they become, <laughs> you become really, really close. Um, and yeah, it was just, that's kind of the way things went. And I feel like I'm kind of going through that, like all the way now it's like, you're trying things and then gradually paring away the things that like, you know, aren't quite in line with that passion as you move like ever closer to this point in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that a lot of people, especially here in the States, you know, it's just my, my experience is I think a lot of people chase what they feel the expectation is and they don't, they don't listen to themselves and they don't focus on, you know, I don't know. I think of that Venn diagram, right? It's like, what are you good at? Um, what will people pay for? And then I forget what the third part of it is, but like whatever it is in the middle is like, that's what you should do as your career. Right. Um, oh man, it's, it's killing me. I can't think of that third thing. Anyway, like I, I think that if they taught that kind of thing earlier on and, and, you know, if I could go back and just grab my 17 year old self by the throat <laughs> and just <laughs> demand an audience with myself and just say like, pay attention to what you want to do, but be willing to do the work. It's not as easy as like, you can do anything you want to be, you know, mm. life is not a Disney story, right? It doesn't always work out in the end, but if you grind, like if you really put the work into it and the, 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 the work doesn't feel as bad. If you're really feeling fulfilled, if you're really feeling you know, accomplished in what it is that you're doing. And that's, that's why, you know, so many people who are like very successful and, and rich are miserable. Yeah. <laughs> my, my wife's sisters um, only just finished high school you know, like three years ago or something. And growing up with them growing up, I've known them since I was like five. And I've always said to them, like, pay attention in school. Like they always complain about school. And I'm like, I wish I could go back to school knowing what I know now and actually pay attention. But like, it doesn't matter how much you tell people these things, they're not going to listen. Like at at the time you're naive and school is shit and boring. And how frustrating is that? I know. How frustrating is it that you were that kid? I was that kid, 15, 16 year old self. I was, I was sleeping through most of my classes. I I literally did woodworking for like every class. I would go to English, the, the subject that is shit. And my teacher would just sign me off and then I would leave the class and go work, do woodworking in the workshop. Like, you know, I, 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 like I think yeah. the other side of it is it just – it takes time, you know, to – I think you have to struggle through a bunch of weird experiences and to find that thing. Unless you're incredibly lucky that – I think the third thing you were looking for, Ben, was a thing you like doing. So a thing you like doing, the thing people will pay for, and the thing you're good at. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. You're right. You're right. I think it just I think it just takes some time. And that's why I kind of wish in some ways that I took a gap year, either, you know, between high school and college or between college and, you know, getting a, a full time job. Um but yeah, I think it like it would be great if we could all, you know, find that thing and have the commitment to put time into it. But, you know, it taking time to do all those commissions that maybe you didn't love doing so you could find the things that you maybe did like doing a little more. And that's also why I, I, it's nice to say no to things and, you know, try to spend more time doing things that I like doing. But also there's part of me that doesn't want to do that too much 
because I don't want to write off experiences that might uh, that I might not know beforehand are are good learning experiences or could add to something. Like I don't want to assume that I know everything, and I should just be saying no to the things that are like, nope, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. is, I want to find a balance in the middle, but you know, there are things that I have tried and I'm like, well, I did that and I know how much work it takes. So yeah, maybe not this time. <laughs> I'll tell you. So, so my wife and I, we, we have this conversation not infrequently where my wife knows everything that I do in my business, right? Like I don't keep anything back from her. In fact, she's like, she's the first person that I like run in to talk to, you know, to about like exciting ideas or showed off, like show off finished products or, you know, whatever. So she's very intimately aware of what I'm doing, even though she doesn't care about doing it herself. Um, I, yeah, well, so what I find is I'll come to her with an idea and I'm like, babe, this is it. This is the, this is the thing. (laughs) This is the next thing that I want to build. And she has this, she has this gift of being able to like pull me back down out of the atmosphere and be like, remember the last time that you did this? Remember the last time that you talked about wanting to do something like this? And you know, she has this way of like, I don't want to say like popping my bubbles. Cause that's, that's not how it is. She, she kind of grounds me. Bringing you back to that. reality. And, yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. and honestly, like for, for as much, you know, I don't know. I, I've been on the earth for 40 years, right? So long enough time to, to seen ideologies change to see, you know, the political landscape go back and forth and everything. I'm so grateful to see how much of a focus we put on mental health today. And, and we've, we've started to reverse the process of isolation, right? I remember I had a college professor who talked about like when, when the iPod first came out, he was like, this is it. This is when people stop talking to one another because we've created a bubble around ourselves that lives in our ears. And I'm really glad to see that starting to reverse course because I think this conversation is, is where the community of being makers is really beneficial because I also know that with, with, you know, the groups that I'm networked with on discord, you know, whether it's the makers on zoom group or otherwise, I can take an idea and sort of talk it through with people who share at least an understanding of like the technical side of things. And, and that helps kind of pull me back down out of the clouds. Cause I'm, I'm a dreamer, right? I want to, I want to dream, want to dream big. Like nothing is out of bounds when you're brainstorming, but I need, that community to kind of like help me pull things down through the funnel a little bit to, to make sense of it or to help me like figure out how to do it. Cause otherwise I would, I would probably would quit my job to go be a maker and then bankrupt my whole family. Right. Like <laughs> I would never make a dollar of profit and that would be it. But you know, to be able to, to follow this through with people who know what they're doing, you know, it, it really does help me like kind of follow a, not a, not a super well-worn path, but at least safely travel the, the, the brush as I'm sort of treading through. Right. Yeah. So do you ever find yourself not telling your wife ideas because you don't want to be brought down, back down to earth? You want to dream a little bit about <laughs> it? <laughs> um, Cause I, do that's that. a really, that's well, so that's a good question because I want to say, I want to say, no, I, I don't hold anything back from her. But at the same time, like I'm, I'm the worst at like keeping secrets. I, I have to buy presents as close to like Christmas or birthdays <laughs> or whatever as possible. Because if I, if I sit on it for like a month, I'm, she's going to get it a month early. Yeah. Right. And so like yeah. I, if, if I'm working on a gift for her, she won't know anything about it. And I do a really good job of like keeping it hidden, keeping it secret and everything. Um, 
but otherwise, yes, she she is in on every idea. Now, that has caused some contention in our marriage because there are times when I just it doesn't matter like how much she wants to pop that bubble that I'm that I'm floating into the atmosphere on. Sometimes I'm going to follow through on the idea, even if it means I'm not going to make a penny of profit on <laughs> on the job. Right. I, I'm, I'm the same. I, I mean, I did the 30 presents for my wife up until she was 30. And like, it was like the second day and she's like, why can't I just have them all now? And I'm like, it was so hard for me to just, to like not just give them all to her then because I'm so hard at, like, I just wanted to like give the secret up. I've yeah. always said to my wife, like I could never cheat on you because I would just come running home and be like, Hey, guess what I did today? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. <sighs> I mean, it's not so, funny. Don't cheat on your wife, but yeah, it's <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like Eden is like generally supportive of like whatever I'll talk about. She's, she's usually giving me better ideas than the ones I come up with on my own. Um, but I definitely will like not tell other makers. Like I won't tell you guys cause I don't want any input. Like I want yeah. to get a project to mm. a certain point and usually to done before I want to show yeah. it to like you guys and you can start picking it apart, which is, which is great. Like, and it's definitely a shortfalling of mine because if I, you know, took constructive criticism earlier on in the process, it would probably end up with a better end product. <laughs> Save a but, lot of time. Yeah, yeah. But I like, you know, I like having like a certain amount of uncorrupted creative process for the majority of a project until I need like technical help. It, yeah. it can also go the other way though. If you were to open up at the beginning and you get all this feedback from, you just get overwhelmed and be like, you know what? This is just too much. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, so, so I'll share yeah. with you guys like this is this is the sickness of being a maker, right? Like this is the the mental illness that we all face is that we're especially for us that do content creation, we never want to be second to the punch, right? Yeah. And so if you come up with an idea, you don't really want to share it for fear of somebody else being like, you know what, that is a really good idea. I bet I could do it first. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a nightmare scenario. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I've, I feel like I, I talk about him in every, you know, every time I ever like do a podcast or I talk to people about this kind of stuff, but like Dean Duplantis really opened up my brain to being able to like share intimate details about complex projects because he said something to the effect of like, it doesn't serve anybody for you to just sit on an, uh, sit on an idea and not help, like you're not get help in developing it. Right. Yeah. And so you certainly have to operate in circles of trust. But as long as you're doing that, sharing an idea of a, of a product or a project or, you know, a business or whatever, it, it doesn't, doesn't really help you to not get help. Like yeah. to, to seek that help. And so more, this isn't like, it's not an attack on, on what you just said or anything. I'm just, no, it's a good point. More of like, this is where I have grown is I, I feel like I need to hold these ideas so close to the vest, but really I see the best product come out when I'm engaging other people and yeah. letting letting their abilities kind of leak into what I'm doing. And then I'm kind of feeding off of them as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a fact. And that's a hundred percent. I know, The way I do it is not the best way. It's just <laughs> my biases. <laughs> I will say this though, to your, to your question, if I ever come into my, like, if I ever come and talk to my wife and I'm like, Hey, I got an idea. And then I explain the idea and she immediately says, that's a really good idea. I'm like sprinting to get it done. Right. There, there's sometimes like <laughs> validation on board. It, it means that I have hit a home run <laughs> and it needs I was, to get made like tomorrow. I was waiting for the, 
oh, I know I've got a bad job. I know I've got a bad idea then. Or something like that. Um, in saying what we... I had something and now I forget what it was. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in saying what you were about, like, people stealing ideas and stuff, none of us are really that big in, like, the social media side. Like, we, none of us have a million subscribers and all that sort of stuff. Like, really, who's going to steal your idea? And right. if they do, all it's going to do is create a community around that idea. And then when you do finally put out your video or whatever, there's that following, like... True. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. Unless they hit like person, a grand slam right after. But the even to still, clarify, that's that's why I call it a sickness, right? Like, like yeah. it's like a maker content creator sickness is that you get that impression that like I can't tell anybody, but really, yeah. like, who who is Ben Neiman, right? Like, who who's <laughs> going to take my ideas and and go make their million dollars off but, of it? But even me? if you were, even if you were big though, like. No, I'm not saying you're not, but even if you were like a million subscriber person, the first person that put out a river table is not the most popular river table video to be put out. Mm. You know, so yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's a good point. Yeah. You're making a wave. All right. Exactly. So before we go on to our clamendations, I want to give a big thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon, especially Brent Jarvis from clean cut woodworking, who is our F clamp level supporter. Um, and I'm going to mix up the order a little bit because our latest patron left us a very nice review, Mr. Andrew Zito, which we didn't get to read last week cause we forgot, but we're going to do it now. Um, so this one's going to be a little tricky cause I actually genuinely think that Andrew and I talk similarly. And so Grant put a note in the review to make sure I watch his videos to get his chill vibe. Um, so I'm going to try my hardest, but this might just sound like me. Uh, so five-star review from Andrew Zito. Thank you very much. And he says, um, well, the title of the review is I love clamp. And he says, so I was asked to be on clamp forever ago. And honestly, didn't think much of it at first after an incredible time with the gents though, and really digging into their podcast weekly. I've grown quite fond of Adam Grant and Morley. They're a staple for me when I build away every Monday in my shop from learning about all things Oz from Adam getting the local perspective from Grant, Ottawa represent, and listening to the, the, I'm so flattered by this, the Alex Bloomberg of the maker world, Morley. Wow, Andrew, that is is a big compliment. I just can't say enough good things about what this podcast brings to the table. Thank you for bringing such a great dose of relatable fun to my ears every week. This review is long overdue. Big love, amigos. Thank you, Mr. Zita. (laughs) I, for one, am very flattered by that entire um, review. But I also don't know who Alex Bloomberg is. He is a podcaster. I'll put him in the show notes so you can look him up. Okay. All right. So, Clamendations. Clamendations. I want to give an album recommendation. I think this is generally one of my favorite albums that's come out in like the last two years. It is Father of the Bride by Vampire Weekend. It's like a bit of a monster of an album. I think it's like around 20 songs long. And uh, if you haven't listened to Vampire Weekend before, they're kind of like a indie rock band. Um, and it's it's just so good. Like it has such a huge variety of songs. They've been around for long enough now that they're like, they're starting to get a little experimental. They're kind of like secure in their musicality. Um, and a lot of covers of the songs in this album have come out recently, which are also really good. But every time I put it on, it's just like really like good vibes. Um, 
I feel like all of the songs have a lot of layers and a lot of harmonies. Like you might not listen to the lyrics until like the 10th listen. Then you're like, whoa, these are some pretty intense lyrics. Um, but they're really good and it's a genuinely good album. Also, I feel like they kind of hit on a really smart marketing idea with this album. This album came out in 2019 or 2020 and there's a song on it called 2021. And I feel just by titling a song about a year that's like in the near future, it has a lot of like virality potential because people are going to start like listening to it more and more as the year becomes closer and try to make it like the song of the year. Um, I also feel like this is an album that I wouldn't mind having this whole song, uh, this whole thing played at my wedding. It's kind of like good wedding music. So yeah, check it out. Father of the Bride by Vampire Weekend. Definitely not what I was expecting when I clicked it on that. I got excited when you said the name. I was like, oh, my type of music. No. Yeah. I guess it's a misleading. Uh, it kind of sounds like an emo band from the title. but Yeah. How do you, really how do you have vampire it. in your title and then play like indie rock? <laughs> I said indie rock. <laughs> All right. What um, about you, Mr. Mackey? Yeah. I have a Clayton Nation this week. Uh, my Clayton Nation this week is a guy on YouTube I found called Flyride with Wise, so F-L-Y-R-Y-D-E. And his entire business is taking the headlights and taillights from cars, pulling them apart, and making them like modern with LEDs and colorful <laughs> and, and all that sort of stuff. It's just really cool. So yeah, every video he sort of shows like pulling it apart and, and all that. I mean, it's kind of repetitive because it's the same thing all the time, but it was just really interesting to see some ideas. And he sells this, um, he sells this kit that I want to get um, for my wife's car just to annoy her. And it's called an F1 flasher kit. So, you know, if, when you see an F1 car, when they put their foot on the brake, the lights flash a couple of seconds, like a couple of times and then oh, it goes yeah. steady. So it does that. So when you put your foot on the brake, it'll flash like three times and then go steady. That's cool. Does he like, so he puts LEDs in place of incandescent and then puts them back on the car or does he like make a fixture out of car lights? Cause Let's just be honest. No, no, no. People, it's, it's, take, like, people so who take car lights and make fixtures out of them and then hang them on their wall behind them when they sit at their computer, that's <laughs> like, it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially when they don't turn down the freaking brightness. Um, no, no, no. Yeah, so so he's actually redoing the headlights and taillights for the car. So you bring your car in, he'll take the headlights out, he'll add in like some colorful LED strips and all that, halogen lights and all that sort of stuff, and then put the headlights back in the car. So, you know, when you see, you see like on TikTok and stuff, there's like a Mustang with like the demon eyes and like the colorful like strips and stuff. Like he does that. That's very cool. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Whenever anyone says like, you know, on TikTok, when you see X, I feel like 99% of the time I haven't seen it because I feel like TikTok is so niched that like I only see the things that are served (laughs) to me and I'd see nothing else. Like I see probably none of the TikToks that you see. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. There's just so much. There's so many. There's so much on TikTok. There. Yeah. TikTok figured me out really quickly. It's like dad jokes, stupid dogs, and, you know, like wife, wife's being scared and things like that. You know, like. <laughs> okay. You, so I get, speaking of what, sorry, quick, quickly, speaking of wife's being scared, have you seen the TikTok of the guy that tries to make his wife throw up? Oh, oh by he just like, like in and throwing makes up? Noise? He just makes the noise. Okay, and like, I have just, seen that one. So good. I show that to okay. my wife and she's like, don't ever show me shit like that again. <laughs> so before I forget on the same topic, um, every other night or so, Eden will just turn to me and say, got any jokes? 
and I never have a joke. So you guys being two dads, do you have a joke that you can give me? So when Eden yep. asked me tonight if I have any jokes, I don't come to her empty handed. <laughs> I, I have a joke, but it's very dark. Go for it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said it in the Discord, actually. What's the difference between a train and Princess Diana? Oh, wow. Okay. Just send it. <laughs> What's the difference? Train, train leaves the tunnel. Oof. Oh. All right. And Ben? Oh. Mine, mine's <laughs> <much less> dark. <laughs> okay. So mine, mine is a series of jokes. I love these. I, I, every time so, anybody asks for a joke, I have these on, on standby. Okay. Okay. What do you call a cow with no legs? What? Ground beef. <laughs> what do you call a cow with two legs? What do you call Lean it? Lean beef. Lean beef. What do you call a cow with Ooh. one leg? Tri- Steak. Monopod? <laughs> what do you nice. what do you call a dog with no legs what it doesn't matter he's not coming anyway <laughs> and where do you find a dog with no legs oh no where wherever you left him okay see it's like <laughs> i just like those jokes all roll together I have, i've had those on standby for like the last 20 years <laughs> nice that's good have see you- i don't have any i have no jokes on standby that's my problem oh i have one more i have one more what do you call a fish with no eyes what Oh, that's a good one. That's a classic. Yeah. Is that like the, what do you yep. call a deer with no eyes? No idea. I have no idea. All right. Two, uh, you're two dads. You could do this forever. Um, but I'm going to cut <laughs> it off. <laughs> Just quickly, oh, have, you seen, have you ever seen a movie called Bicentennial Man with Robin Williams? Uh, maybe. Oh, yeah. Like so forever he's, ago. He's, he, yeah, he's a robot um, and he's hired as a servant. Anyway, my mom's favorite joke when I was growing up was from that movie and it's Three men walk into a bar. You think one would have seen it? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard two men walk into a bar, the third man ducks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Ben, do you have a uh, clamp mendation for this week? How about I just tell dad jokes for the allotted period of time that I would sure. do my We'll, we'll no, just do a list of dad jokes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, can I make two? Because like, I, I sure, have one that I want to make, but I have one that I really want to make too. No. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll be quick about them. The one that I like CT fine furniture on Instagram is he's a, he's a furniture maker who primarily makes puzzle furniture. Right. So it's like, if I don't know if you guys have ever seen Chris Ramsey on YouTube, he's, mm-hmm. he is like a, a professional magician who is like during the pandemic kind of pivoted to solving puzzles on YouTube where like he he won't know what the puzzle is and it's like you push this thing turn this thing slide out it's like Morley you did your three D printed puzzle box yeah. imagine if you'd been doing it you know on a Whoa, professional these are level insane. furniture it's it's wild he has one that I just saw it's recently like National where you push the button and a dagger pops out of the drawer yeah and I was like immediately I was like I have to have that um the other I one that wonder, I really like, want to shout I, out I wonder who commissions these because these must be like. Ten fifteen thousand dollar pieces. Oh, worse than that. They're they're worse than that. I'm sure. I'm sure. If wow. I, you would not get a one of these things out of me for fifteen thousand dollars, it'd be more like a forty thousand dollar project. Wow. Oh my god! Look at that desk, <laughs> bro. They're wild. They're Whoa. wild. This guy is insanely talented. But what it has? So this desk has puzzles in it. But like, just, oh, that's the dagger. I see. But just the desk alone is beautiful. Yes, even if it wasn't puzzle furniture, yeah, it's amazing furniture. Holy yeah. crap! Yes. All right, as we do and over these, uh, what's, what's your next follow. one? Yeah. So yeah, you guys ogle over that. 
My next one is, uh, it's another Instagram account. It's called Sean's Crafts. Uh, he's also got a YouTube channel. We found about him um, because of Halloween. So my wife made my son a Spider-Man mask that had articulating lenses like in the movies for his Halloween costume. And she found this on YouTube. Now, this, the way the story goes is my son wanted to be Dr. Strange for Halloween. He came to me with it about like a week before. And I looked at the Dr. Strange costume. It was fully doable, right? It's not like a crazy costume or anything. It's just a lot of particular kinds of pieces that we're going to have to kind of cosplay and make and everything. And I just told him, I was like, look, can we come up with something a little bit, you know, a little bit more simple because Halloween's right around the corner. Well, he came down to my wife and my wife was like, yeah, let's just make a mechanical Spider-Man mask because they found it on YouTube. And it ended up like my wife hated life for the entire week that she was making this thing. But the product in the end was amazing. I mean, like really amazing. I, I would show it to you right now, but it's up in my son's room and he's asleep. Um, but if you if you look on this guy's account, you'll see the the Spider-Man mask with the moving eyes. My wife yeah. and son built one of these things and it looks exactly like how they made it in this video. And it is incredible, like truly, truly amazing. Um, and I think anybody that can kind of take simple, simple things, cardboard, you know, uh, drywall filler. Uh, spray paint and fabric and like turning it, turning it into something like this with, you know, simple mechanisms. Like it, it blows my mind how, how cool of a product this turned out to be. My son was, you know, 10 miles tall <laughs> come Halloween with this, uh, with this mask that he got to wear. So very, very cool account. The guy does a lot of this kind of stuff where he, you know, he has uh, different types of cosplay uh, that you can build, you know, fairly cheaply it just takes some time. Don't, don't do what we did and build it a week before Halloween because you, you will be a, an irritable, irritable parent. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. For me too. And if people want to see Ben's woodwork and other makery, um, projects. You can see them on Instagram at make for life workshop, as well as on YouTube, I believe under the same name, make for life workshop. You have to search for it. I, I just hit a hundred subscribers. This would, this was going to be my clamp mandation because grants out, but like I've, I've only really had time to post YouTube shorts recently. And I know grant hates those. Um, <laughs> I'm not doing that for the monetization on YouTube, but I have been able to pick up uh, at least a hundred subscribers. I think I just went over that, you know, today or yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be getting my custom URL when they open up the feature for me. Um, but if you search make for life workshop, I do believe that my account will come up there. Um, I am, I'm pretty much make for life workshop everywhere. Um, make for life in a couple of places where like Twitter, where the, the name is, you know, has to be shorter. Um, just don't look for make for life everywhere. Cause that's like a makeup brand. That's a dead <laughs> account for a bunch of years or whatever. I don't, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys, you've been trying to buy their profile for years now. I, I actually have. I've been trying to get the, ma- I would, I tried to get the make for life Instagram account to start with and mm. uh, I couldn't, but anyway, long story short, and you can edit it down to this last piece. Just Google make for life workshop. You'll find me there. I'll give you guys the link tree, uh, you know, URL. So you can just put it in the show notes and people can click there and find, find everything. Hell yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, yeah. 
It's been a pleasure. Thanks you once again. Thank you to TF Turning for composing our theme music. And we'll talk to you next time. See you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you.